Chapter 90 of Chicot the Jester by Alexander Dumas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. Chapter 90. What was passing near the Bastille while Chicot was paying his debt to Y. de Mayenne? It was eleven at night, and the Duc d'Anjou was waiting impatiently at home for a messenger from the Duc de Guise. He walked restlessly up and down, looking every minute at the clock. All at once he heard a noise in the courtyard, and thinking it was the messenger, he ran to the window. But it was a groom leading up and down a horse which was waiting for its master, who almost immediately came out. It was Bussy who, as captain of the duke's guards, came to give the password for the knight. The duke, seeing this handsome and brave young man, of whom he had never had reason to complain, experienced an instant's remorse, but on his face he read so much joy, hope, happiness, that all his jealousy returned. However, Bussy, ignorant that the duke was watching him, jumped into his saddle and rode off to his own hotel, where he gave his horse to the groom. There he saw Remy. "'Ah, you, Remy. "'Myself, monsieur.' "'Not yet in bed?' "'I have just come in, indeed, since I have no longer a patient. "'It seems to me that the days have forty-eight hours.' "'Are you, Anuay?' "'I fear so.' "'Then Gertrude is abandoned?' "'Perfectly.' "'You grew tired?' "'Of being beaten. "'That was how her love showed itself.' And does your heart not speak for her tonight? Why tonight? Because I would have taken you with me. To the Bastille? Yes. You are going there? Yes. And Montsoreau? Is at Compiègne, preparing a chase for the king. Are you sure, monsieur? The order was given publicly this morning. Ah, well, Jourdain, my sword. You have changed your mind? I will accompany you to the door for two reasons. What are they? Firstly, lest you should meet any enemies. Bussy smiled. Oh, mon Dieu, I know you fear no one, and that Remy the doctor is but a poor companion. Still, two men are not so likely to be attacked as one. Secondly, because I have a great deal of good advice to give you. Come, my dear Remy, come. We will speak of her, and next to the pleasure of seeing the woman you love, I know none greater than talking of her. Bussy then took the arm of the young doctor, and they set off. Remy, on the way, tried hard to induce Bussy to return early, insisting that he would be more fit for his duel on the morrow. Bussy smiled. Fear nothing, said he. Ah, my dear master, Tomorrow you ought to fight like Hercules against Antaeus, like Theseus against the Minotaur, like Bayard, like something Homeric, gigantic, impossible. I wish people to speak of it in future times as the combat, par excellence, and in which you had not even received a scratch. Be easy, my dear Remy, you shall see wonders. This morning I put swords in the hands of four fencers who during eight minutes could not touch me once, while I tore their doublets to pieces. So conversing, they arrived in the Rue Saint-Antoine. Adieu, here we are, said Bussy. Shall I wait for you? Why? To make sure that you will return before two o'clock, and have at least five or six hours sleep before your duel. 
if I give you my word. Oh, that will be enough. Bussy's word is never doubted. You have it, then. Then adieu, monsieur. Adieu, Remy. Remy watched and saw Bussy enter, not this time by the window, but boldly through the door which Gertrude opened for him. Then Remy turned to go home, but he had only gone a few steps when he saw coming towards him five armed men wrapped in cloaks. When they arrived about ten yards from him, they said good night to each other, and four went off in different directions, while the fifth remained stationary. Monsieur de Saint Luc, said Remy. Remy! Remy in person! Is it an indiscretion to ask what your lordship does at this hour so far from the Louvre? Ma foi! I am examining, by the king's order, the physiognomy of the city. He said to me, St. Luke, walk about the streets of Paris, and if you hear anyone say I have abdicated, contradict him. And have you heard it? Nowhere. And as it is just midnight, I have met no one but Monsieur de Montsoreau. I have dismissed my friends and am about to return. Monsieur de Montsoreau? Yes. You met him? With a troop of armed men, ten or twelve at least. Impossible. Why so? He ought to be at Campiegne. He ought to be, but he is not. But the king's order. Bah! Who obeys the king? Did he know you? I believe so. You were but five. My four friends and I. And he did not attack you? On the contrary, he avoided me, which astonished me, as on seeing him I expected a terrible battle. Where was he going? To the Rue de Tissanderie. Ah, mon Dieu! What? Monsieur de Saint Luc, a great misfortune is about to happen. To whom? To Monsieur de Bussy. Bussy, speak, Remy, I am his friend, you know. Oh, Monsieur de Bussy thought him at Campiegne. Well? And profiting by his absence is with Madame de Montsoreau. Ah! Do you not see? He has had suspicions and has feigned to depart, that he might appear unexpectedly. Ah! It is the Duc d'Anjou's doing, I believe. Have you good lungs, Remy? Corbleu, like a blacksmith's bellows. Well, let us run. You know the house? Yes. Go on, then. And the young men set off like hunted deer. Is he much in advance of us? said Remy. About a quarter of an hour. If we do but arrive in time. End of chapter 90. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.